Okay, Nye, do you know what time it is? Uh, is it peanut butter jelly pass? Peanut butter jelly 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 Peanut Alright. Okay, you know, with the baseball bat, you did not hit the question out of the ballpark. Because oh. I was going to say it's reflection time. Oh, just as fun. Yeah! <laughs> no, really, I want to know how you doing these days, like how you're really doing physically, spiritually, mentally, wherever you want to take it. Oh, I feel like I'm in a really good place mentally, um, <laughs> physically, and emotionally. Like. Welcome to the Bite Your Tongue Podcast. I'm Denise, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Ellen Broughton. We've been through many years of parenting together, and now we're ready to talk about the ins and outs of parenting adult children. Your diapering days are over. Now it's time to consider when to bite your tongue. So let's get started. Today is a really exciting episode for us. A few episodes earlier, we interviewed two young adults, Sarah and Dan, to get the inside scoop into the lives of the young adults. Today, we're really going wild. <laughs> we have with us two young adults, <laughs> Nige Turner and Merck Wynn, both in their mid-20s. And until one week ago, they were the hosts of the wildly popular podcast called Adultish. On the last episode, Merck let listeners know that she's stepping away from the podcast and focusing on her voice acting career. So good luck to you, Merck. And Nige, we know you're going to rock it. But I want to just say this podcast has really become the voice of the young adult. It's produced by Radiotopia. With Merck and Nige, we are finally bringing some diversity to bite your tongue. Nige is an African-American, and I found some research that he always wanted to be Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> Merck is Vietnamese. In fact, her parents immigrated to the U.S. from Vietnam soon after 1975. How lucky are we, Ellen? We are very lucky, and I am very excited. So adultish is like a peek inside the brain of a young adult, and these two are the drivers, and they have so much to show us. I'm hoping they're going to share with us everything we want to know and probably some things we don't want to know <laughs> and many things that we don't know. And some of the topics they discuss in the show are exactly the kinds of topics we need to know about, at least from the young adult frame of mind, from hip hop to politics, jobs, work ethic, parent relationships, everything in between. So welcome, Merck and Naj. Can you tell us something about yourselves before we dive into our questions, of which we have Ooh. many? <laughs> um, I'm going to have my bro host answer this one first. <laughs> Why, something told me you were going to do that. Um, I... Uh, uh, I don't know. What do you, it depends. What do y'all want to know? Uh, well, tell us how you got started in all this and give us a little bit of your background. I know you guys uh, entered a competition. Um, it sounded like where they literally uh, auditioned many people to take the host position in this podcast right, right. and you two were the winners. But what brought you to that and a little bit about your backgrounds? So I, I, um, I was on a podcast with some of my friends in uh, high school. So like my my junior and senior year of high school. Ended up getting, like, a, a decent amount of, like, traction. Um, there was, like, this studio. So I grew up in Richmond, California. There's this, uh, like, a studio where all the kind of, like, local, like, rappers would kind of go to. And then, like, after, you know, they would finish, like, doing that, like, the engineer would let us come in and be like, all right, you guys can do your little podcast radio thing or whatever if y'all want. And so we just started a podcast. And this was at a time that, like a lot, not a lot of people were, were podcasting, um, especially like entertainment podcasts. 
and uh, ended up doing pretty well. We won an award in our second year, and then we ended up selling that podcast to Amazon. And then wow, after that, that's pretty impressive as a high schooler. What was the podcast called? It was called Not Your Father's Podcast. Okay, okay. And so, <laughs> we, we probably should have listened to some. Yeah, of that. Yeah. Listen to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not your Not Your Father's Podcast, and then um. At, at that time, that was a time where Amazon was buying a lot of content and just, like, killing it because they wanted to, like, um, like kind of be on top of the podcast game. And so um, the show got, like, got uh, finitoed. And then it was, it was just us. And then I kind of was like, maybe I'm done with podcasting. But then I was in biology class in college. And uh, somebody who was a radio host in Jamaica he had moved out here and he was going to the same college as me. And he was like, yo, like I'm familiar with your show. I used to love it. Um, I, uh, I went out for this job with YR media. Um, and they're creating a podcast for like young adults. They're doing like a talent search right now. They haven't called me back. And I think it's because they're looking for somebody like you. And so then mm-hmm. I, I went out for it. Um, yeah. Shout out to Al Dane. He, uh, he set me up. And then I went out for it. Uh, it was like two, three months of auditioning and then got it. Wow. Well, they picked two great people. You have such chemistry. <laughs> um, had such chemistry, I guess I should say. Anyway, <laughs> I think we still have good chemistry. No, nope. Okay. I think we do. Yeah. And All right. Merck, give us a little bit about you. So I come from the public radio background. I guess let's take it back to 2014 when I graduated high school. I was involved in my news production class and I was a student body president still, you know, that's when I peaked. Um, But I, after that, I went to school for journalism and media production. And I did this program called Radioactive Youth Media that's based out of KUOW in Seattle, which is our local NPR station, one of one of them. And that class, that workshop taught me how to tell stories for audio. And so I kind of fell in love with storytelling. I always was, but I didn't know you could have a journalism degree and be able to do work and tell stories for a living. And so I told the story of my dad's escape from Vietnam. And I always say that his life story started my life as a storyteller. So fast forward a bit, freelancing for NPR and some other public radio shows, announcing on the side. And then I felt like, you know, I feel like the the demographic that we're serving is very not me. It's much older. It's very white. It's very male. And I just felt like I couldn't totally be myself. And so I looked into podcasting and then some friends from Radioactive, they said, hey, why our media? Because they're the ones who actually produce adultish. Or me as, well, I guess me as a former employee of why our media. Um, (laughs) They were looking for, yeah, as as Nige was saying, hosts. And so... Um, I, I think they told us that I was one of the first people to audition and then Nige was one of the last people to audition, <laughs> Oh my! but God. it just, it worked out. It was like, they really liked the, the bread of the sandwich and decided, okay, we're going to have these two breadwinners just make the meat of the show. And so they gave us basically full creative agency to come up with content. And we didn't even have a title when we started out. It was our coworker, Nancy, who came up with adult ish specifically, but it was really unique because at the time that we joined the show, we were were we twenty one at that time. Yeah, I think I I think I had just turned uh twenty two. Yeah, Nigel's a few months older than me. 
Yeah. You're such an old man, Nigel. I can tell. I he, it, visually, he looks much older. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's how I got into podcasting. And I was born and raised in actually Linwood, Washington, 20 miles north of Seattle. And um, I lived in lots of places. Uh, Nigel's the local host to Wire Media, whose headquarters is in downtown Oakland. And mm-hmm. um, throughout the show's production, I've lived in... New York. I lived in uh, the Bay Area for a bit with, uh, not with Nige, but um, <laughs> we. There was a three period time, three month period time when we were together, and then uh, most recently I was living in North Hollywood. But now I'm in Seattle again. Well, welcome home. Thank yeah. you. Right. <laughs> oh, so let's get into some questions. Why don't you start yeah, off? I, I think that let's talk about that content that you were talking about. The meat in between those slices of bread. <laughs> you want to know the issues. That is the issues, those key issues you've addressed on your show that really resonated with your audience that we in our demographic need to understand. And some topics we might not even know exist. Mm -hmm. We might be completely blind to some of the issues that are so important to people your age. Mm -hmm. What were some of them? I think one of them was uh, sexuality was one. There was an episode where I came out as queer and that was in our past season. And um, I think we just, the show in general, we like to talk about things that were taboo and just trying to reframe the narrative of what adulting is. So that's one. And I think a big one we talk about is also mental health. For sure. Yeah. 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 We're going to have an episode on mental health coming, coming up. What do you hope, I guess um, I'm going to ask this straight out. One of the episodes I listened to was when you interviewed um, the person who fired Nige on his first job. Okay. (laughs) And I feel a little bit lost in what the whole work atmosphere and work ethic is for the young adult today. And I think, especially with COVID now, it's even become more sort of remote. And all I see is young adults vacationing here, vacationing there, going here, going there. And yet they're all telling me they're still working. And I was raised (laughs) to be the first one into the office, be the last one home, work the hardest. What is the trend in work ethic with young adults today? And what do what we as parents of young adults need to understand and know? Ooh, I mean, um, I don't know if it's like necessarily a trend. I can say for myself, uh, with like, yeah, definitely. I think, I think the thing really is people are trying to prioritize their mental health over mm-hmm. anything. Totally. Because they realize just like, I mean, when you just bury yourself in work and go tunnel vision for your career sometimes it can just leave you in a place where you feel more fulfilled I guess with your like accomplishments than your actual day-to-day life and I think honestly it's, it's from advice that we got from our um like elder generations where people are like yo I feel super fulfilled in my career and I have all these accomplishments but like when I go home I don't even know these people here so I think we really just leaned into that and we're like, okay, where can we zig where they zagged? And then we got to make sure that we're, you know, providing time for us to go on vacations, for us to spend time with family, for us to do all these things that, that put our, our like social lives in that same uh, front seat along with our career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to sound like an old person here because as a man, because I am actually, (laughs) I am. And, um, and also because as a manager and a parent, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to say one thing is as a manager, 
I would, and a mentor too, I would tell, this is how I would mentor people, like prioritize. And then as a manager, it's sort of like, well, wait a minute. When I say take all the time you need, I don't really need to. <laughs> and it's hard to find that middle ground because it's just difficult. And then also as a parent of one of those kids, now young adults, who, who, would sort of prioritize his, you know, would say, oh, mom, you don't need to worry about that. I can take an extra day off. My boss isn't going to care. And I know his (laughs) boss probably cares. How would you advise us as parents to counsel our kids and even as mentors of the next generation to, um, I can't say take a step back from what we've been saying, but to make it more, um, I don't know, appropriate, meaningful. I don't know. Right. I think I sometimes feel like I pressure my kids too much. Are you working hard enough? You know, Mm -hmm. because my dad was an entrepreneur and he worked and worked and worked. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of goes with it. It makes sense um, from what you're saying. You know, I think no matter what generation you are, you want sustainability. I think for our parents' generation, it was more sustainability meant financial stability Um, being able to get a house, Mm -hmm. kids, car, all those things. And I think for our generation, because our parents have worked for that and we have those things already, now when we think of sustainability, it's, okay, uh, my mental health, you know, my well-being. It's, I think, because we think of it like that, for us, it's not not like, oh my gosh, you're going to ask a day after that because it's just kind of ingrained in our culture now. And I think it's, it's changing. And so I think if you're a parent or a manager, just kind of reframing of, okay, how is this kid, how is this worker going to have the most sustainable future here with me in their life? And that's them being able to take care of themselves. And like, obviously you want to be sure that, well, I guess if you're the person on the other side, the young person taking off that mental health day, I really hope it's for a mental health day. You're not like, oh, I'm trying to get tickets to Coachella and I need a whatever. Oh, that's I can tell you in my family, it's Coachella. It's not, it's not like I'm going to sit around and meditate. And, uh, yeah. But wait, Coachella, Coachella might be you prioritizing your mental health. Yeah. You might need that space to, you might need that space to just, to just let out. And then you can, and then you can go come back into like the work environment and be productive. Mm-hmm. I think. Let me ask you about this mental health. Um, uh, and I do know that it's very big. And I right. have a lot of friends who have younger, you know, young adults struggling with lots of different things. Why is it so, was it always there or is there so much Ooh. more? Has there been mm-hmm. so much more pressure on, I mean, I was reading something in the New York times, I think yesterday, uh, or maybe it was time magazine on how to find happiness. And some parents say they think their kids happy if they're getting into the best college. I mean, is there just too much pressure on kids today and it's rocking their mental health? Oh my gosh. Or what's the story here? I think it's, I think it's always been around like yeah. me and my, me and my dad actually were recently having this conversation because um, he got like my Kaiser medical bill and he saw like some mental health medication that I was on. And he was like, yo, what's, what's that? Ooh, voice crack. He was like, yo, what's that? And so <laughs> Whoa, puberty. Like, I just basically was like running it down to him. Right. I was basically just like running it down to him. And he was he was really interested because he was like, yo, like, I don't I don't know if anybody in my generation was really even taking medication for like their mental health or even were able to get these things diagnosed and stuff like that. But he was like, in my generation, like 
with something that was going on with you, people would just gossip about you and keep it pushing. And, and then nobody would see that person for a little amount of time. And then maybe they would get it together or they wouldn't. And then they would like come back on the scene or not. But I think now it's just like people are trying to highlight these stories so much more. So it's not like a taboo subject. And when somebody has a mental health emergency, they are, uh, they don't, they aren't put with these nasty labels on their name and on their character that they have to like live with for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's normal. We all go through something like this. And, um, and it's, it's important to really address it or else it could, it can linger on for the rest of your life. Yeah. And another thing is now I think we have the language for something that's always been around. Um, take Marilyn Monroe, for example, she was someone who struggled with mental health. And I actually, in our mental meds and ish episode, where we're talking all about mental health and medication, because Nige and our producer, Georgia, they've, they've been on it longer than I have. I've only recently started my journey with medication because I grew up with the narrative of, oh, you're going to get addicted. This is bad. But also, like, I don't blame my parents for that because, I mean, they're immigrants to the U.S. When they were young and struggling with probably anxiety and death of parents at a young age, living in the Vietnam War with bombs just exploding around them. Of course, you're going to focus on your physical survival versus your mental survival, first and foremost. And so I think now that, you know, intergenerational war trauma is totally real. But going back to Marilyn Monroe, I mean, she's someone who struggled. But, there, you know, psychology and social science wasn't where it is today. You know, who's to say that if she had the help that the access to resources that we have today, would she still be here? We don't, we don't know. Um you know, and this is something I've talked to one of my therapists about who, funny enough, she's she was an older white woman also in her 60s. So y'all would probably get along real well. But I mean, you know, even her, when I was telling her when I first started wanting to use medication, she was saying, well, you know, when I was start because she was on it herself, she said that um, they were prescribing her like three Xanaxes a day, which nowadays you're like, whoa, but it's because Again, science wasn't where it is today. So, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. right, we didn't have the medic, we didn't have the the medication tools that yeah. we have now in the toolbox, and and also even the the therapy tools. It, there was really one size fits all for therapy, and um, it was very different mm-hmm. thirty years ago. Well, and I've had my own mental health journey, and I guess what I worry about with my adult children, and I'd like to know what you guys, how you approach something like that, I guess, with your adult children is. I don't think there are great resources available to everyone. And I think it's very hard to find a therapist or a counselor that really meets your needs. I mean, sometimes they're jumping to medication too soon without going through talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just worry, and I'm a worrying parent, so that's a bad <laughs> thing to begin with, but I am a worrying parent. I think every young adult, every person, therapy is a great gift and a wonderful thing everyone should explore because you learn so much about yourself. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we have such a weakness in strong mental health care in our country. Yeah. Very true. Merck Merck and I, Merck and I have had this conversation multiple times Mm -hmm. where when you were, I remember like when Merck was first getting into like therapy, you were talking to me about it and you were just like, oh, like I'm, I made this decision to go to therapy and stuff like that. And I remember congratulating you. But at the same time, I was like, well, this isn't like the finish line, you know, like, yeah, the first, (laughs) the first step is being like, yo, I do need help or anything like that. But once you actually start looking for a therapist and um, start having these experiences, it's like, 
you entered a whole new journey of your life where it's like, oh my goodness, like we don't click, we don't click. You just agree with everything that I say. You don't, <laughs> you don't have, <laughs> every time I'm like describing things to you, you're just like, mm, yeah, so yeah, mm, gotta be tough. And well, it's like- that's what I mean. That was the model for therapy <laughs> when, I, when I started as a psychologist, yeah. it totally was just sort of like, yeah. So how do you approach this as parents, um, you know, with adult children? Um, do we wait for them to come to us? Do we bring up that, gee, it would be a great idea for everyone to sort of get mm. therapy and 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 discover more about themselves? Or, you know, sometimes kids are afraid to share that with their parents because they don't want their parents to worry. Right. Yeah. I think, well, I think everybody needs it. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Right. I, I would, I would co-sign that. However, I think if you are a parent talking to your adult child, you, you got to meet them where they're at. If there's anyone who's struggling, you have to, you, the worst thing, one of the worst things I think is making them feel as if they don't have control over their life. So I think it starts with a lot of questions asking, Hey, how are you doing today? And pointing out factual things. Hey, I've noticed that you don't do this as much anymore. What can I ask? Like what's, what's going on? How are you feeling? Um, asking open-ended questions, I think in, in general is just the way to go because yes or no doesn't leave a lot of room for conversations, especially if you've got someone who doesn't really talk very much like my fiance. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if they are at a place where they do, they are seeking help and they just don't know where to go, then asking them, would you like me to help you? Because if you just go in and help as parents tend to like to do, I mean, that's what people who love each other like to do. You just don't want to see whoever you love in pain or turmoil. Um, I think it, again, it's all about putting them in the driver's seat and letting them make that decision. For because sure. if no matter how many resources you provide, if someone is refusing the help or thinks they don't need it, there's that's wasting your time and energy. And I think sometimes this sounds pretty harsh, but I think sometimes that person has to experience rock bottom because they have to learn it themselves that they need help. So let me pose a question, getting back to that work ethic and where this intersects with mental health. So let's say you have a child, I'm not saying personally, but maybe, um, <laughs> who doesn't always show up on time for work or who feels like, oh, don't worry, I can, I can take off early on Friday because nobody cares. And for a parent, Many times what we're most worried about isn't the work ethic or doing the right thing. It's that if you lose that job, the, the tenuous grip you have on your mental health is going to go completely down the toilet. How do you address that? How would, as a, as a young adult, what would be the best way for a parent to approach something like that, where the, the really underlying issue is the mental health, but the, the surface issue is showing up for work on time and not losing your job? Facts. I think that's totally different though. I think, yeah, I think we've kind of been more, more speaking to like people taking like time off for like their mental health because, uh, they just need to, to do that to even be more productive in the work environment. But like showing up late for work and, and, you know, giving like a half effort and stuff like that, like, I think that no matter what generation like you're in, that's something that needs to be like, mm -hmm. I don't know. If you're, if you're working somewhere, if they're paying you for, for your expertise and like a, in a particular angle i think it's just you know it's just like it's being a good person like respecting that respecting people's time pulling up doing the job that they asked you to do to the best of your ability and and going home but i mean um 
Yeah, I don't know. I, that's just what I want to say. Yeah, actually, so I think if if your question is more along the lines of, you know, you as a parent are concerned of your kid taking what, what seems like excessive time off that jeopardizes or, their job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, take me, for example. I actually left this job that had benefits because it was our full-time job. It is Nigel's full-time job right mm-hmm. now. Um, I left a job that gave me financial security that was a place where I had coworkers who were fully supportive of me that seemingly gave me everything to where I wouldn't have any mental health problems. And yet I had mental health problems because being, because analyzing yourself for the sake of the show, but also just, I don't know, the work is really hard. You know, I think people underestimate how much work goes into a podcast, especially the way, I agree. yeah, especially (laughs) the way that we, we have uh, created the podcast. And so I think, my something that my mom told me, which is really helpful for me to reframe this of uh, leaving the job was, you know, you might not be making as much money as you are this year or until you get your next job. And that's okay, because, you know, life is like seasons, they change. And she said, she gave me some hope saying maybe in the future, you're going to have a job that has more or you're going to be making the same kind of money you were before. But thankfully, I have my parents to financially support me if I do need that. Um, but I think what was more important to me there was that emotional support she gave me of, again, going back to agency, giving me that choice and that support of whichever route you go. She saw it as a long-term investment for my health, for me to leave the job and her and my dad. And so I did. That makes sense. And uh, sometimes I don't do that. Um, I want to ask something because I think this really hits into mental health too, social media, what role it plays in our mental health. I mean, you did an episode where I think Merck was trying to do a detox. I feel like I need a detox. I'm sort of, I think (laughs) it's it's so harmful. It's horrible. And it causes me to be depressed. Why do I keep doing it? I mean, Nige also was in that detox. And I think that you struggled with the experiment more than I did, Nige. Um, It was good, though. I I, I fooled with the detox. I, I've tried to like... I've tried to even apply that to to my day to li- my day to day life too. Like, just I don't know. Social media is just such a it's such a like rat race type of thing where you just see everything that everybody else is doing. Especially as like a young person, like you're seeing, oh, so and so just um, went back to graduate school. Oh, so and so got their PhD. Oh, so and so's a doctor now. So and so got five kids now. Like, and you're just like, oh man, like what a what a what is what am I going on? Like, what am I doing? What's going on in my life? But I don't know, taking that break, you kind of realize more like, no, I'm going at my own pace. I don't need to be worried about what anybody else is doing. And yeah, it's, it's everything. Life is an, is an experience. Just do you think your generation is looking at social media better now? I mean, are you guys, um, Ooh, I don't you know, so. I mean, Ooh. I just got, I just got exposed to TikTok and it's like, Oh <laughs> no, no, oh, not TikTok. really bad not tunnel TikTok. of hell. Oh, I um, and you know, every, on TikTok, everyone's working two hours a week and making $4,000 a month. <laughs> oh and gosh. I'm thinking, what did I do with my life? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so how are, how is your generation going to handle this as time goes on? What are you guys thinking? What's what's in your heads? Well, I am personally not on TikTok, nor is Nigel. Are you on TikTok? Since no. Okay. okay, okay now, TikTok. wait a second. I watch TikTok. I've never done a TikTok. Well, <laughs> I'm a voyeur. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I still don't. I don't. I have a TikTok account, but I haven't used it. Like, I don't even open up the app. People just send things to me and I'll watch them. So I'm not. 
I'm, I'm not on TikTok because I know if I were to be on it, just even watching, I would lose hours of my life. And I think that social media, it's a, it's kind of like a, a love hate thing. You know, you can see it as a tool. And I think that especially during pandemic times, that's how a lot of us were able to connect with each other. And because we grew up, I mean, as a screenagers, pretty much, um, right. it was, yeah, it was a way to be in touch with people and to be in the know. But with that comes that comparison culture. And I think that's where social media is kind of a tumultuous place. Because if you're developing your mind and your identity, no matter what age you are, you look at someone else and they have this need, don't you go, yeah, what am I doing with my life kind of thing? And it can be funny, but then, you know, then it can also take a serious toll on your mental health. And I think for that episode, that's kind of the question we were we were playing with the question that you asked us. And I think that's going to be a question we're going to have to, I don't know, ask us every year. Cause the answer might change. I think it always yeah. comes up too, like, because whenever you're looking at how much money people are making on social media and stuff like that, or even YouTube and stuff, you're wondering like, is that really like sustainable? Like, mm. uh, years from now, are you still going to be able to be making that same amount of money doing that when the next, the next fire app pops up or anything mm. like that? And I think it's mm. hard to say, because, um, I don't know, it's, I think there's no right way to adult. And so similar to how a lot of people, I remember like in my family, like in older generations, a lot of like my family members were factory workers and as technology advanced, a lot of them lost their jobs and were kind of like left, like, yo, I've been working this, this job and this, how I've been getting money and providing for my family for this amount of years, but now it's not sustainable. I think similarly, like people are on social media, like how sustainable is that? Is that and how mm -hmm. sustainable is that going to be? And I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they can they can do it forever. But I mean, if they can't, they'll probably face a similar challenge where it's like, man, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very it's, true. It's very true. Well, I want to shift a little bit because I want to talk about your momish episode because. Both of you seem to have great relationships with your moms, <laughs> and there's not a lot I hear about your father, so you can fill us in on that too. But as as young adults, what makes the relationship with your mothers work? Mm. And how is your mom doing, um, Nige? I mean, she's she's all right. Like my mom, um, we had. I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to say that we had a, a really good relationship because, you know, we still have a really good relationship. She's just no longer able to really like talk or anything like that. Like her, her dementia has gotten to a point where she's no longer able to like speak or anything, but you know, my mom was and always will be like my best friend and always mm -hmm. has been my best friend, like since I was mm -hmm. a little and kid. And why? What made that work? What What was it your mom did or I guess can't do now? And I don't mean to say that in a... No, 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 no. I totally understand um, what you're saying. That you felt like you could really trust her and share with her and felt like she was your best friend. She always felt like a like a teammate, but like a like an older teammate to me. <laughs> and so whenever I had any anything like any wild idea, I'd be like, "Mom, I'm about to leave the house. I'm about to do this or whatever. I'm I'm want to follow my dream in this area or whatever." She'd be like, "All right, okay, if that's your plan, we gonna like let's lay it out. So you're gonna do this for how long? You are gonna live where? This is gonna cost this amount. Yada yada yada." And she would like run through the whole play with me, and then I would end up being like, 
Yeah, that make no sense. All right, never mind. And so, like, then she, it was it was her way of just, like, she just spell it out for me. And she would let me come to it on my own. And then I always really appreciated that. Whereas, like, my dad is more just, like, break it out of my face. But <laughs> me and my dad, me, me and my dad have a really good relationship also because I do appreciate that as well. Sometimes I just be on some wild stuff. And sometimes I just need to be told, get out of my face. And that's why I go, I go to my dad for that. And then I go to, I would go to my mom to get, uh, the more like loving end of the uh, of the <laughs> advice. I love that though because it's something I don't think I do enough with my own kids. Is just sort of lay it all out for them, not judge, <laughs> not just judge, sort of just, say, okay, yeah. well, so it sounds like you're gonna do this, and then this is gonna happen because of this, or this is the and yeah, let them figure it out on their own. It's the yeah. hardest thing to do as a parent. Your mother was, you know, a saint, a saint. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that takes a lot of restraint and wisdom. Well, I think and so, love. so much of it depends on the kid. And that goes to you, um, Merck, because you talked a little bit about how you and your mom are so close. I think you played therapist with your sister, right? Oh, yeah. Trying to get them closer. Mm-hmm. What, what, who is your mom, I guess? And uh, tell us what you think she did that was great that brought you so close. And how did the therapy work out with your sister? Okay. So my mom's name is Kim Chi, and she's a spicy woman. <laughs> She really is. Um, but I mean, I think what worked with her is that she let me into her life. She let me know who she was. Um, and of course, you know, when I was younger, she was always in that mom role. And I was the youngest of three, so I was always in baby role. And I think what kind of helped between her and my dad, because they're both the youngest child in their family, of uh, youngest of their sex, and, and so am I. And so um, I think when I got older, she just trusted me a lot more and let me into not who she was on the daily, you know, I like this. I like lavender. I don't like when your dad does this. I I also got to see the cracks (laughs) and how broken she was. You know, she lost her mom when she was 12 in in Vietnam and never really had that relationship. Again, as the youngest daughter, she didn't get all the, the beautiful Vietnamese dresses my grandmother would sew for my aunts because she had passed away. And um, my dad's mom also passed away when he, uh, well, later on in life, but he left her to escape from Vietnam at a young age. So um, I think she, not only did she let me in, but she allowed me to be curious. You know, I'm a very curious child, hence the the work that we've done. But I, I vocalized what it is I wanted, and I wanted to have not just my mom in my life, but my mom as a person who also happens to be my friend. And I think she took me seriously on that. And so, you know, when I asked questions, hey, what about this? She would tell me. And of course, there was a lot of, oh, you're too young to know this and blah, blah, blah. And it still happens to this day, even though I'm 24. Um, So it goes back and forth. But I think I also have to understand that she is she's an adult parent learning how to have an adult child. And as, as you both are, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. Yeah. And I, with my sister, um, the relationship there, and it's so interesting that um, you ask this question now because my sister recently gave birth and she's six years older than I am. She's in her early thirties. And my mom has spent the past month with my sister in Virginia because my sister's husband's in the Navy. And so they're over there. My mom comes home tomorrow. It's the first time I see her in about a month, uh, basically since I moved back from L.A. to Seattle. 
And their relationship has gotten significantly better. And I think by confronting them as to why they weren't confronting each other with these these wants that they had, these wants to be close to each other for the sake of protecting that other person. Oh, if I ask how she's doing and she's sad, that's going to make me sad. I, I was kind of like, cut the bullshit. Say how you really feel. And I think living in New York helped me be direct. <laughs> but <laughs> I lived in New York for a while too. Yeah. And it was a hard transition to Denver because people thought, oh my gosh. Oh she's gosh. So- yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. But so go yeah, ahead. they're, they're doing well now. And I think, you know, it just kind of, it, they kind of broke out of the, you're not just my mom role. You are a person who's lived through this thing too. My mom has been a huge help to my sister and my sister also lets her in because for a long time, my sister didn't want to let my mom in vice versa. Right. Right. That yeah. makes sense. How about your ethnic backgrounds? Both mm-hmm. of you are from minority families. How, do you think there's a difference in parenting adult children in different cultures and how might we learn from each of yours if there is? Oh, 100%. I think, yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so let us in. <laughs> do you want to go, Mercury? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm Vietnamese American and in my Vietnamese household, it wasn't a thing to be very physically affectionate nor very expressive with how you truly felt with your children or as a kid to your parent because, you know, filial piety is a huge thing. You you kind of save face for the sake of your family, even if you're actually hurt. You know, think about the, the greater good, not just yourself. You don't want to be, quote unquote, selfish, um, which kind of conflicts with the American narrative, which is very you know, it's, it's more individualistic. It's more, you need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. And that was something that was hard to grapple with having that dichotomy of these, these two worlds. Um, and so I think what's, what's odd is that if you were to ask the same question to my siblings, they'd probably give you a different answer because I think it's not just our culture, um, and who we are, but also birth order. And, I think by the time my parents got around to me as the third born and the youngest, they they saw what kind of didn't work out so well um, with the older siblings. And, you know, I think a lot of what my parents didn't give growing up was that that verbal affirmation. Hey, you did a good job. They, they weren't the ones initiating hugs necessarily if we weren't crawling around, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think because I saw my siblings not have that, that's something that I wanted. And I think that's why I have... Um, a, a really good relationship with my parents. Yeah. Are you a hugger now today? Oh, I've always been a hugger, but the question <laughs> is, is my family a hugger family now? I like to think, yes, you're welcome. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay go ahead, Nige. I, um, I feel like, yeah, it's, I think it's a lot, it's a lot different when it comes to, uh, like what culture you come from too, because it's a lot that you kind of like, won't learn about your culture depending on what your background is uh i think like as far as african-american culture they talk about some things in school but it's a lot that they leave out and i think in parenting it's kind of up to to you as a parent to like fill in the rest of the of the story and how you choose to do that is it's a it's a toss-up and it's and it's going to in fact impact their life uh a ton something that we did an episode on. Um, I did an episode on a plantation tour that my dad took, took me on um, growing up. And it was really interesting. We did like a lot of research into our family and 
unfortunately, with as with most African Americans, like it ends in slavery because it's hard to trace beyond that point. And so we went uh, to Louisiana, where my family is from, and we went on a plantation tour. And uh, basically, like my dad was just educating me on, you know, what where we where we come from. Because I feel like as an African-American, you you kind of don't really get a lot of where you come from. You get like ties back to a hundred or something like that years ago. But like beyond that, as far as your culture is kind of like, I don't know, like wherever you wherever you want it to be, I guess. And so going back to like a plantation and kind of seeing where like my ancestors and stuff like were from when they first got to this country, it was a pretty surreal experience. And um, and yeah, I think. That's a that's a lot more where I talked about my dad's style of teaching, where my mom is more of like the kind of hustler and my dad is definitely the storyteller and the dreamer. And um, yeah, that whole experience. I can't I can't, I can't tell the whole story now, but <laughs> like No, I, this is I Well, mean, we it's... can we can put in our episode notes a link to that. Episode. <laughs> yeah. How about that? And yeah, the story. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious how will this inform your own parenting? Do you ever think about that? Oh, style and your dad's style. You know what's funny is like, you know when you grow up like I don't know. When you grow up, you just find yourself saying more and more things that your parents like oh, said gosh. and did. Yeah. Oh no, I become them. Oh, I know. It's so annoying. I just every time that happens, I get so just, irritated. Oh, just wait until worse. you're our age and you look in the mirror and you see them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I already look a ton like my mom. Like everybody's always said that I was my mom's twin my whole life. Yeah, I get the so, I get the dad one. They're like, You look just like your dad. I know, yeah. I know, but I shave my mustache. <laughs> Um, anyway, answer that question for Ellen. I sort of interrupted on oh. how you look at how this impacts your own, what you think of parenting in your future. Yeah. And I didn't, didn't mean to assume you're going to be a parent, but it's sort of yeah, like, you right. know, like parenting in the in the bigger sense too. We all sort of yeah. you know, mentor and parent as we get older. I, I want, I want to be a parent. Um, eventually I need some, need some time. Um, <laughs> Just recently got married. Yeah. I got married what four months Congratulations. ago yeah. um thanks uh but yeah <laughs> i uh i think it'll definitely like inform my teaching because i know i know what worked for me and so i would want to like say certain things and do certain things that really worked for me and made a big impact on my life but i think the thing that you have to realize is just because something worked for you or just because something was like an effective teaching method with you it won't be like that necessarily for your kid or whoever you're trying to mentor. I, um, I grew up around like my kind of like friend circles is pretty tight. Uh, like all my parents, best friends had kids and those are all my best friends. And so all of us like all know each other's families and stuff like that. Anyway, a few of my friends, like younger siblings, they got married and moved away. And so I took them out for like a fishing trip uh, a while back. 
And it was just interesting. Like the, my whole talk that I had with them, I just sounded so much like my dad. So much so that like in the, yeah, the, in the middle of the trip, I was just like, I don't even want to talk anymore. I don't know why I even did this. I don't want to say anything. I sound exactly. I've become like, Leland. I, now I, was like, I sound so much like Leland Turner and I don't want to, I don't want to even do this anymore. But you're the I, storyteller. I, you're the. I, yeah. 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 How about you? How about, how about you? <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I think about parenting a lot um, because my sister, you know, her and I are super close and her being a parent for the first time and her, me and my brother, we talk a lot about the way we were raised and what we want because we all definitely want kids. And I think it's just, uh, my answer is different from Nige's in that I will see what has worked for me, but I think I'm going to like not assume that it's going to work for my kids too. Like obviously I'm going to verbally affirm them from day one and, you know, <laughs> come on, you're a hugger. But I mean, you know, if they're not a hugger, then I have to accept <laughs> that too. Um, but I'm just so, I'm excited because I get to create this human who I hope is going to want to be my friend. But I also have to understand that they might not just, there are some things they're not going to vibe with me on. And that's that sounds oh gosh that sounds scary for getting rejected by your own child oh my um (laughs) but I mean I think if I go in leading with love and you know embracing them for who they are wholeheartedly I don't see why they wouldn't do the same for me I feel like the older you get you realize like how hard it probably was for our for our parents to raise us oh my gosh the more you realize like man like why was I just such a such a loser sometimes to my parents. And <laughs> well, 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 just wait till you have kids of your own. You'll appreciate them even more. I think. Oh my God. Um, and I, I, I'm listening to you guys, 24 and 25 years old sounds so young to me. And <laughs> you have such great heads on your shoulders. You would, just don't yeah. sound like you're 24 and 25 years old. That's all I'm going to say. I want to ask ahead of the game. I want to ask that one thing that I sort of uh, <laughs> alluded to before we started this whole idea of, um, and I struggle with this with my own kids. I really try to be with it. I really do. I try. Why do you think I tried TikTok? Because um, you, know, <laughs> you try to them. be open minded <laughs> and accepting and all this sort of thing. But I always put my foot in my mouth. I mean, do you find that with your parents sometimes? Like, even though they're trying so hard, they aren't with it a hundred percent. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, my uh, so coming out was that was that was interesting for me because I told both parents individually, like, hey. I'm a queer child. Yes, Samuel's going to be my husband, but if he were to pass away early, don't be surprised if I come home with someone who's not a cis male. That was basically how I approached it. And um, my dad, you know, despite telling him that, and it took him a while to like totally understand. It took like a night, thanks to my brother. But um, (laughs) he, one time he was talking and he used the F word, you know, the one that uh, is uh, like a pile of sticks, the F word. And he was, he used that not toward me or anything, but I said, Hey, that's not okay to say. And yes, I came in hot with how I said it, but I told him why it hurts me. And Mm -hmm. I think I tried my best not to shame him because I think something that we also promote on our show is that shame is not an effective tool, no matter what your stance is, whatever. It's just not, you know, you make someone feel bad about themselves. They're not going to want to tell you anything. And that's why when something like that happens, I try my best to have patience and understand, okay, what was his intention with saying that word? If there was really no meaning behind it, then I'll tell him, well, if there's no meaning, then can you please not say it? 
Um, mm-hmm. And then vice versa, you know, there are so many times when my parents tell me something and I feel like I'm being shamed because growing up, that's just shame was very ingrained into my Vietnamese culture. And I think it's very uh, ingrained into yeah. Asian culture in general. And so I think nowadays, like if I vocalize like, hey, you know, the way you said that actually kind of hurt my feelings. Like I have to trust that my parents are going to take me seriously on on that and change up what how they said it or whatever. Um, and I mean, that goes both ways. Yeah. And I think sometimes as a parent, you want to be educated. Like you didn't, like, I, I would completely know that wasn't an appropriate word to use like (laughs) 30 years ago. However, um, maybe some parents don't, and Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, we, we do want to, most of us want to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and we need your help in figuring out what that actually is. Different communities too, different things are like acceptable. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we're close to the end of our episode and what we'd like to do at the end. I know we can talk forever. (laughs) I love this. Ellen does this and then you do what she's going to ask. I want you guys to do just a little bit of back and forth on how you do on adultish for me. Okay. 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 So go ahead, Ellen, ask this first. Okay. Let me ask you. Okay. So what we like to do is to give our guests the opportunity to give us a couple of key points that they hope our listeners will take away from this episode. So what we'd like from you is a couple of points, things that our listeners will remember about being the parent of an adult child from the adult child's point of view. What do we need to know? Uh, cue the Jeopardy music while we think. That's <laughs> <laughs> was like key, key points. I think something that you were hitting on on that on that last question, even too, uh, Merck, mm-hmm. when you were talking about uh, like how your dad, how you approach like correcting your parents and stuff like that. Like, I think I think that's something that people should lean into more. I think ignorance is something that as a society we shy away from but i think it promotes the most growth so i never get upset or angry like with my parents for being you know ignorant about something or not really knowing um what is okay or up with the times or anything like that like so i think that's where the most growth comes from is just embrace the fact that you don't know a lot of things Mm -hmm. and then just ask the questions because yeah, I think that's what helps us all be better people is when you ask those hard hitting questions. Yeah. And then even in even in your in while you're answering it, like you're going to be explaining more about like where you're coming from to your kid. And so I and I think that helps them out too, like knowing your intentions and knowing that okay, you might have did something or said something, but is that really like what you meant or what we associated with? Because you might have said something and it's different and it's associated with, associated with different things from where the way that you came up. But then the, what we see is like, oh, no, they meant it this way. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I think you grow a ton from just embracing that ignorance. Yeah, yeah that's a really true. good point. OK, we need one from you now, Mark. Hmm. I think reframe the situation and do it without shame. And what I mean by that is if you are having any kind of scenario in your life or a problem, a fork in the road, whatever, and you're having a really hard time dealing with it, uh, whether it's just yourself, whether it's a relationship, you know, just kind of try to reframe it. It's, It's along the sentiment of put yourself in their shoes. How would they feel? But also in doing that, it's like you can't 
assume what it is that they feel. And I think what I was saying about, you know, giving your adult child agency, um, but also giving as, as that adult child to your parent, giving them not just benefit of the doubt, but assuming good intentions. I mean, as Nyd was saying, I think it's very important to be clear with your intentions, whether you're asking a question or responding to somebody. Um, because like enough with the the beating around the bush, you know, yes, say how it is you feel, but do it in a way that's not shaming the person. Because that's just, as we've seen in this past year and the year before that, and arguably the few years before that, you know, just shame is not effective. So, so re- true. reframe the situation, um, understand the intention from both sides or multiple sides, whoever, however many people are in there and um, do it without shame. Do it with love. Yeah. I, I think, think you're really saying, terrific. yeah, yeah. Both, both positions come from a place of love. Most of the time we need to remember that. Yeah. Okay. Before we say thank you and goodbye, could you guys do a quick promo for adultish with your personalities? And I know, uh, you know, Merck, you're moving on, but you can still get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, adultish is a production by wire media <laughs> distributed radiotopia Season six is going to be in full swing soon. Nige, why don't you tell them a little bit more about how listeners can get involved? Answer For that sure. Alert. Yeah, season season six is about to be fire. We're coming with a whole new format. The show is going to uh, be more of an advice column. So we're getting the direct the uh, we're getting all of our all of our topics not just from our brains, but we're getting them directly from the young people themselves. Mm-hmm. So we want people to write in like an old fashioned advice column, and then we're gonna make our best version of an adultish episode to address that problem. So and, it's like um, bite your tongue, Junior, basically. Facts. Yeah, bite your tongue, Junior. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. About it, and I want to encourage our listeners to tune in because when I listen, I feel like it's truly a peek inside the minds of young adults yeah. and what you're interested in and what you're talking about. And I can get more woke, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Come come to Adultish to get more woke. There you That's go. exactly right. <laughs> so thank you guys both so much for being so responsive and joining with us. We've really enjoyed it today. Yes, and I think this was episode 12 or 13. We're having a hard time keeping track right now. Um, You guys were great. We loved having you on here. (laughs) And I just love what you have to say. I've learned so much. And like Denise said, it's great to tune into your podcast because we learn a lot about what it is we need to pay attention to in our kids' lives. That's Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. Very cool. No, this was was super fun. Y'all are are amazing. And y'all are really good. Hosts also. So, oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. We'll thank cut you. that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, since Ellen and I are together for the first time, actually, we're in Denver. She lives oh. in Boston and Prague sometimes. And we actually got studio space today to do three podcasts. So, if you don't mind, usually I do my clothes after people leave, but would you mind if I do it real quick here? Go for All it. All good. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to check our episode notes after you listen to this podcast and you'll get a lot more on adultish and we'll try to share some of the things that Merck and Nige were talking about. But first, I'm going to just remind you again, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Give us a review. We love reading them. Please follow, bite your tongue on all your social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We want to keep the conversation going. Finally, I think I ask this in every podcast episode, but I'm going to say it one more time. If every listener would just share one episode with a friend, it would be amazing for us. So just do it. 
And that's it. That's a wrap. Lots more coming up from mental health to more on young adults and wills, trust and estates and everything in between. Thanks again to Connie Fisher, our sound engineer. And just wait, listen to us, share and remember, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue.